Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Inclusive Class Podcast. Through interviews and discussions, it's our goal to explore the promise and practice of inclusive education. I'm Nicole Eredix, and I'm one of your hosts for the show. I'm a parent, inclusion teacher, and creator of the online resource, theinclusiveclass.com. Joining me here on the Inclusive Class this morning is my co-host, Terry Morrow. Hi, Terry. Good morning, Nicole, and welcome to all our listeners. I am Terry Morrow. I'm the author of 50 Ways to Support Your Child's Special Education, and I write about special needs for about.com at specialchildren.about.com. I'd like to mention to anybody out there listening to us live that we are not taking phone calls, sadly, because that requires way too much organization on my part on the switchboard. So y'all just keep your questions to yourselves. Um, I'd like to, however, nag everybody this week. Uh, if you do have an opinion or something you would like to say, please uh, get on over to my website, specialchildren.about.com, and give me some nominations for the Reader's Choice Awards. Uh, we have one more week for them. I would like to hear about your favorite blogs, uh, books, uh, uh, Twitter feeds, um, uh, online communities, regional resources, and uh, apps so that I can put together a field of finalists and we can all vote on the winters, winners all through February and March. So please, uh, I'll have a link up there on the top of the page as to how you can uh, make those nominations, and uh, I'd really like to hear from everybody. How's your week going, Nicole? It's been great. I was just thinking, would it be a conflict of interest if I nominated the inclusive class? <laughs> Sadly, I believe it would, or else I would have done it already. Yeah, but, rules uh, on that. <laughs> we'll just be we'll just be the people's choice outside of this framework of awards. Um, uh, no, it's been a good week. Thanks for asking. <laughs> I had my mom come down from Canada, and um, my daughter is uh, having an award ceremony today. So. You know, it's uh, been exciting, lots of things going on here. She's um, finally getting some recognition for her her hard work, and I'm thinking I need to be up on the stage with her. Yes, indeed. I know that feeling. <laughs> I think we're all, uh, you know, parents these days are definitely expected to be very supportive of their child's education in more right. ways than one. And I find <laughs> just reteaching the content over and over again. So anyway, we are uh, doing that this morning. And uh, in addition, I'm also thinking about our guest this morning, who we have with us, Lindsay Beal. The topic that she's going to talk about is one that I really enjoy and I think is so beneficial in many areas of our life and our children's lives, and that's, you know, helping make things more sensory-friendly for our kids. And I know in school, at least, there are so many overwhelming inputs that, mm-hmm. you know, some can be really easily modified and make some significant changes in a child's behavior or, you know, the way that they um, produce their work and interact with other kids. So, Yes, uh, and some can also just sort of be understood. <laughs> yeah, sometimes yeah, helpful that yeah. no, they're not just doing that to be bad. They're doing that because that's what their body needs. So exactly, exactly. That's so, the easiest part of all. Yeah. So <laughs> let's uh, get started, and I'd like to introduce Lindsay Beal to the show. Good morning, Lindsay. How are you? Good. I'm great, thank you. Good morning. Good morning. 
Before we start, Lindsay, can you give our audience a little bit of background about yourself and some of the work that you do? Sure. I am a pediatric occupational therapist with a private practice here in Manhattan. Uh, I evaluate and treat children and young adults with a variety of issues, including autism, developmental delays, and sensory processing disorder. Uh, I'm the co-author of Raising a Sensory Smart Child, uh, with a, a forward by Temple Grandin, and I yep. co-wrote that with the mom of a child that I used to see through early intervention. I'm currently writing a new book uh, for mental health professionals and other clinicians called Sensory Processing Challenges, um, and that will come out in November 2013. So I'm pretty busy over here. Yeah, it sounds like it. Well, we really appreciate you doing this for us. I know that... Um, you know, like you said, there's a lot of things going on in your life and, you know, busy with all the work that you're doing. And so we really appreciate you coming on and giving us some tips in terms of creating a more sensory-friendly classroom because I think, uh, you know, for many kids, as I mentioned earlier, it's not so much a change in medication, but it's a change in the environment. You know, just what can we do to help our children with sensory uh, functioning issues, you know, get through that day? There are so many things that that, that can be done, um, you know, both like informally, just working something out with a teacher who is understanding and compassionate, um, or, you know, and things that might also be more formal put on the child's IEP, this kind of thing. But there's a wide range of things that can be done. School can be an oasis or an absolute nightmare for a child with sensory issues. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's sort of look at the, a child's day, for example, and talk about some of the things that could be tweaked or changed if there's an area of difficulty. And you know, even before a child gets to school in the morning, and, and I guess we're talking about children who have sensory. Um, what would be the the correct term that you would use to describe? Well, um, you know, it, it can be sensory processing disorder. Um, okay. But quite often it's a child who has some other issues going on that also have some sensory hypersensitivities or undersensitivities. So, okay. you know, I, I just refer to kids with sensory issues. Okay. And that name has changed over the course of the time that my son has been diagnosed with this about like ten times. It's mm-hmm. changed what we call it. So I like sensory yeah. issues. It's sort of like whatever you call yeah. it, you're going to recognize that that's something you're exactly. talking about. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So then, you know, what can parents do before these children go off to school uh, in the morning to help them mm-hmm. get their day started off right? What What sort of ideas would you recommend or things that parents well, could do? Well, you know, to help? things that get the child's body ready in that. Mm-hmm. Kids can be under-aroused. We've all been under-aroused and sort of lounging on the couch because we can't move. Um, mm-hmm. Or they can be over-aroused, kind of like bouncing off the wall like Tigger versus mm-hmm. kind of being like Droopy Eeyore on the floor. So you want to send a child to school in an optimal state of arousal. So how are you okay. going to do that? Um, you either need to pep the child's nervous system up or calm it down. So. Okay. Getting the child in that good state is is kind of tricky because you need. I guess a good rule of thumb is to think what is going to be arousing for my under aroused child. That can be really intense movement like um, 
doing some jumping jacks, bouncing on a trampoline, listening to peppy music, and dancing together in the morning, getting the child in a good mood mm-hmm. um, is really important. For the child who tends to be over-aroused, um, you want to get calming, rhythmic uh, input into the child. You may need to start with that, like, bouncing and getting all the yayas out, mm-hmm. um, but then, you know, some nice, calm music, not necessarily what we think is calming. Uh, mm-hmm. The child may not be able to relate to Mozart or something mm-hmm. like that, but kind of getting the child to that optimal state of arousal. Um, excuse me. <clears throat> of course, my my voice is going to go now. No um, worries. We we can work with okay. it. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, something like wheelbarrow walking a child uh, from one room to another can be extremely organizing for the child's body. Mm-hmm. Um, taking the stairs instead of the elevator or, you know, just deep hugs can be, like, hugely organizing for a child and really help them feel good uh, for the day. Another really important key before school is to get some decent nutrition into the child's body. Quite often our kids um, who are often are very picky eaters will agree Mm -hmm. to eat a bowl of, like, sugary cereal. And when you – for breakfast. And when you think Mm -hmm. about um, even the cereal advertising, it's – Cereal is part of a nutritious breakfast, if not the whole thing. Parents right. need to get some kind of protein into their child to start their day off right. It doesn't have to be um, typical American breakfast fare, like it doesn't have to be scrambled eggs with bacon or something like that. The child eats chicken nuggets happily, that's fine for breakfast. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't yeah. matter. I so, say leftovers from the night before for breakfast quite frequently. Yeah, yeah. So that way you're not sugaring up your child mm-hmm. before you send yeah. them off to school. Yeah. And that was funny. I was just having that conversation with my daughter the other night because she's a very picky eater, and she was saying, you know, how I'm just feeling so tired at the end of the day, and, you know, by lunchtime I just want to go have a nap. And I said, you know, you need to eat some more protein at breakfast just to get yourself, you know, get your body nourished and, and uh, right. get yourself through the day. So. Right, and for, oftentimes for all kids. Ha- yeah, for all kids and for all adults, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then it's yeah. snack time at school for the youngsters. They're given like crackers or, you know, cookies or something like that that just kind of keeps that going, keeps that cycle going without getting mm-hmm. any decent nutrition in there. Yeah. So. No, yeah. Now, what about once they get to school? I know. Uh, you know, in, say, for example, the younger classes, they come to school and before school starts they're on the playground playing or they're welcomed into the building and into the classroom to start playing before the bell rings. How can a sensitive child be helped during unstructured playtime? I know that that presents many issues in itself. (laughs) A lot of issues. I'll interject also, sometimes they spend half an hour on a bus so that yes. sort of yes. all your all your good yes. priming them for the day is gone. And then I know mm-hmm. with my kids, they would go into the gym after that, which is like a nightmare for a kid who has sensory issues because there's echoing and people are running around and there's no structure mm-hmm. and there's no supervision. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you can if you can 
take a paraprofessional who's in that room aside and explain and can you just go over and push down on his shoulders or you know right. have him do this or you know or if the OT can stop by the room at some point before the yeah. school day starts because otherwise all that stuff you did at home is gone by the time they get into the classroom absolutely mm-hmm. i had a client whose mom was like doing all this great stuff and he was just you know ready for school and then he'd go onto the school bus and the friendly school bus driver would insist on shaking his hand each morning, and this child just did. Would, it would set him off for the whole day, and then the noisy yeah. school bus would make him nutty. So oh, yeah. we spoke with the school bus driver, and uh, we also got him to wear earplugs on the school bus because it was just overwhelming. And there are a lot of wonderful um, sound-reducing items that are out there, not just earplugs, but yeah. like earmuffs, there's something called SenseGuard uh, ear protectors. It's kind of an intermediary between sound-reducing earmuffs and an earplug. It just kind of sits on top of the ear canal to block out mm-hmm. overwhelming noise. Um, a lot of kids, older kids, can listen to music that they like over over headphones. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Then all, they go into All school. things to get into the IEP, by the way. <laughs> right, all things, right. Um, so then they go into school at drop-off time, and it's chaos, right, complete Mm -hmm. chaos. So whenever possible, um, I mean, if a child's riding the school bus, there's not a whole lot that can be done in terms of staggering the time, but if there's a parent is dropping off the child or or a babysitter, to stagger that may be getting the child to school a little bit earlier so Mm -hmm. he can get to the class before 500 people get into the lobby um, (laughs) is good. Things like getting some shoulder squeezes, doing some wall push-ups in the morning uh, when kids first get to school can be really helpful, standing up against the wall, putting your hands on the wall and, like, pushing against it Mm -hmm. um, can be great. um, One of the problems, you you mentioned unstructured playtime, and that's a Mm -hmm. real trouble time for a lot of kids with sensory issues. They don't Mm -hmm. know what to do with themselves, Mm -hmm. and... The groups of kids playing with blocks is overwhelming, and I often see kids with sensory, especially sensory defensiveness, Mm -hmm. just kind of not engaging and hanging out by the sidelines and not getting involved. So Mm -hmm. this is not so good. Um, The kids who are undersensitive to sensory stimuli um, will tend to seek out deep pressure input. um, Yeah. That they may crash against other kids. They may start yeah. throwing blocks just because mm-hmm. they want sensory input. So let's see. In terms of helping those kids, it would be very helpful for the teacher to help the child who has trouble engaging um, in play to develop a list of things that they want to do during each unstructured playtime. It's kind of imposing mm-hmm. structure. Um, mm-hmm. That can be quite helpful. Um, again, doing things like jumping jacks and somersaults, wall, wall and floor push-ups can be very helpful. Also, with the unstructured playtime, kids have a really bad sense of time. Have you noticed that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the stuff that they want to do. <laughs> yeah, there's never enough time, and the things they don't want to do, there's too much time. So I mm-hmm. like to recommend time timers, visual timers. Yeah. Mm-hmm that help kids know how much time they have um, so they know that unstructured playtime is going to be done in 20 minutes, for example, so they can watch that little red disc disappear as the time elapses. 
Right, right. That can Something be quite helpful. Something visual for them to refer to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, I'm sort of thinking in my head, okay, the school day is going along, mm-hmm. the teacher gathers the kids, good morning, how are you? And for many young children in the earlier grades, teachers often start off with a circle time. And mm-hmm. I know for me, that was always, um, I always sort of started circle time with a little bit of apprehension because it can be really difficult, much like uh, the unstructured playtime, being on the carpet next to children, um, next to one another in close quarters, having to sit through calendar and news sharing time and, you know, all the different activities that teachers like to do at circle time can be really challenging. What would you recommend for a child? with sensory issues at circle time? Well, excuse me. Um, Circle time can be a trouble time for many, many children uh, for Mm -hmm. a variety of reasons. One of the things to keep in mind is that most circle times are developmentally too long. I've been in in preschool. (laughs) You're laughing. I've been in preschool classrooms where circle time is 25 minutes long. I know. Yes. Yes. And that's... Impossible for many kids, not just those mm-hmm. with sensory issues. They're sitting on the floor. The teacher's sitting on a chair, typically, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, they're sitting on the floor with their low muscle tone and their immature nervous systems. They're not mm-hmm. built. Children are not built to sit on the floor for long periods like that. So it always amazes me how many kids can do it, but. Any child who has any difficulty with body awareness or visual attention because of visual issues, sitting under those fluorescent lights all day long, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, who has have any kind of tactile issues, worried about other kids touching them, you yeah, know, yeah. unexpectedly, even if it's an innocuous touch, this is going to be a real trouble time for them. So um, I teach teachers, first of all, to limit their circle time duration, to have kids sit, I mean, I also see a lot of kids just sitting en masse in an unstructured way, so they're all sitting kind of on top of each other, like have a distinct place where the child should put his or her body, Mm -hmm. if that's, you know, whether that's like little placemats where the kid's name is written on it so they know where their body belongs. Um, those kids with low muscle tone who are sitting like a little C, <laughs> letter C on the floor, or sitting in a W sit. Uh, you, you know what W sitting is? Mm-hmm. That's that position where the knees and the feet and the hips, everything's sitting on the floor, and it looks like the bottom half of the child is making a W. Um, yeah. Get them all out of that position. They can't do the crisscross applesauce. Mm-hmm. Physically, they can't. their body can't do it. So I like to have kids not sitting on the floor, sitting up a little bit like on a yoga block. Yeah. You know, inexpensive foam blocks instantly changes their whole physiology because I've they just, see better, re- breathe better. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I, I, I've been remembering a circle time I was I, a guest at at my son's preschool, and all through the thing he was just flopped on the floor because he had low muscle tone. He just could not sit there. And then they would ask him a question or they would ask something he knew, and he would pop up, he would give the exact right answer, and then he would flop back down. <laughs> so his teacher right. had learned that, you know what, he flops during circle time, but he's still paying attention. 
Exactly. Make him sit up properly. He's going to spend all his attention on sitting up properly, and then he's Mm -hmm. not going to listen to anything that's going on. Exactly. So, you know, it's another area where awareness is helpful, too. Absolutely. But certainly give the kids something to lean against, for God's sake. (laughs) Something to lean against or, you know, some kind of supported seat so that they can pay attention. Right? And not be crashing into other kids. For the child who can't organize his body, let him sit up on a, a low chair. Right. It's fine. As long as he's paying, you know, as long as he's involved. Things like move and fit wedges can mm-hmm. help children um sit properly and maybe bounce a little bit while they're sitting because it's an mm-hmm. inflatable seat cushion and that way they can get some of the sensory input their bodies need without getting up and moving around. Um uh, so these are some of the compensations. Speaking of, of moving around, uh, once they get off of the circle time and onto a desk, how do we help kids who fidget and move around and make noises in that situation? Also, uh, something that's been a major theme all through my son's mm-hmm. schooling, we mm-hmm. would get people who said he has to stop. Well, he can't stop. You know, so yeah. We give him something right. to do. Right. Um, Again, it, before asking a child to sit down, I mean, how much of the time is the human body, is the young human body built to sit? Right. Over so many hours a day, you need to reorganize the nervous system. So mm-hmm. a lot of movement. I go into schools and I teach teachers how to do some incorporate some movement activities to help kids resettle and reorganize their bodies. Simple things like um, again wheelbarrow walking or just um, putting your arms st- standing up, putting your arms straight out to the mm-hmm. side, and pretending mm-hmm. you're holding paintbrushes and painting circles. Mm-hmm. On the walls, gets kids moving and reorganized to sit down. Now, um, it's very important, you know, from your classrooms that children need to fit in their chairs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Right? Yeah. That's so, often overlooked. Seems obvious, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, if a child is kicking all the time and uh, disturbing others and, you know, all this yeah. stuff, maybe it's because their feet can't hit the floor. Right. Or they're too big mm-hmm. for their chair. Or they're too I mean, big for their yes. chair. I've Absolutely. seen my kids in both situations. Yeah. yeah. Right. They're That's a lot they're... of the rocking back. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Because kids aren't fitting properly. They're also yep. look, seeking out some sensory input. So if a child does well with an inflatable seat cushion, put that on the chair, make sure that the child is sitting able to sit in the chair at like 90-degree angles at the ankles, knees, and hips, kind of the way mm-hmm. we would normally sit on a chair. If the child's feet don't hit the floor, a teacher um, could use a box with a non-skid mat underneath it. Mm -hmm. There are lots of products out there. Uh, I think it's called Just Foam. Um, They're Mm -hmm. foam blocks that can be used. Um, Move and Step, I think, is an inflatable foot cushion that a child can push against, kind of like a kitty cat um, Mm -hmm. on a bed, pushing against with her feet. Um, and that can be really, really helpful for a child. Um, what did I want to say? Uh, oh, even tying some lycra, yes. uh, uh, in, you know, on the front chair legs mm-hmm, so that yes. the child can kick against that instead yep. of a classmate can be helpful. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I, I can tell you, you've seen that. Yeah, one. we don't always. You know, another great thing is um, tennis balls on the bottom of the desk uh, legs yes. and the chair yes. legs, so it doesn't right. make noise if they do fidget. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And what what you can do? There are pre-made ones. Um, 
uh, or you can just take get tennis balls from your local tennis academy and, and cut mm-hmm. an X into them, yep. a cross yeah. into them, and shove them up on the on the chair legs. Definitely quiets things down. Yeah. Um, what else? Um, um, how about moving, moving on to away from the fidgeting, but something that probably causes fidgeting. What about uh, lighting in the classroom? Something okay. that yes, people don't often consider, but it makes a big difference. Oh, it's yeah. I remember as a child sitting in a class and hating and being able to see and hear the lighting. Yes, yeah. Fluorescent lights. (laughs) Yeah, fluorescent lights are really horrible. They still make me tired, and I'm, you know, making little quote marks here, neurotypical. Um, (laughs) They're really tough. The newer ones are a little bit better, Um, the compact fluorescents. But they're still really hard for a lot of kids, as is the downcast lighting. What I would recommend, if at all possible, is that that schools replace their fluorescent lights. That's actually a tall order. Mm -hmm. So that Mm -hmm. often doesn't happen. What Mm -hmm. teachers can do is install something called classroom light filters. They're really inexpensive. light diffusers that can be tacked up with Velcro onto Mm -hmm. the light fixtures. And Mm -hmm. that really cuts out a lot of the flicker. Mm -hmm. Um, They can make sure they always have fresh bulbs in place. Mm -hmm. I've walked into classrooms where there'll be one light, because I'm super sensitive to this, I'll see it (laughs) in a second, like one light fixture is is about to go out. The bulb is about to burn out, so it's literally turning on and off. Yeah, it's flickering. And, yeah. and I'm like, well, what about that? And the teacher's like, what about that? I'm mm-hmm. like, that's the mm-hmm. problem. That's going to drive me nuts. And they look at yeah. me like crazy. Mm-hmm. But this is what these little kids are dealing with. Yeah. So another option, of course, is to turn the overhead lights off. Yes, turn mm-hmm. them off. Right? Turn them off, mm-hmm. especially on a bright and sunny day. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. can make a big difference. I just have to interject here with my own experiences. I found that some of the most peaceful, calming times of the day were when I turned off the classroom lights, I opened the blinds, and just let the natural light come in, you know, either at the beginning of the day or the end of the day. It was such a nice transition because the kids just came right down. You know, Mm -hmm. if they were reading a book or doing some classwork, it was so calm and peaceful, and, you know, it was such a nice way to transition kids in or out of their day, or even just a break in the day. Um, so just sort of, you know, putting my two cents worth here, yes, that does work. <laughs> yeah. And we mm-hmm. talked a little bit earlier about noise and, and how disruptive that can be for kids with sensory issues. Now, obviously, in the bus or in the gym in the morning, you can put on the, the headphones and block all the sound out. But in the classroom, <laughs> the teacher is probably going to want you to be hearing. What do we do about about noise in the classroom? Well, one of the things I love to have teachers use in the classroom is something called a yacker tracker. And mm-hmm. kids aren't aware, most kids are not aware of how loud they are. The super uh-huh. sensitive kids are, but um, the general population is not. And the Yacker Tracker um, is designed as a traffic light, and it monitors the noise levels in the classroom Ooh. and alerts students when the noise has reached a really unacceptable leather, le- uh, an level awesome idea. Th- that the teacher can set. So that's uh-huh. kind of a cool thing to help kids sort of take responsibility for their own noise level. Um, yeah. Another thing is, as kids are getting noisy, it's very tempting to raise your voice, mm-hmm. right? 
like yeah. everyone needs to be quiet right now. <laughs> exactly. And it just sort of builds this crescendo of noise until someone explodes. Um, in the gym class, you know, the, the gym teacher will start blowing his whistle or her whistle, and that just that's horrible for kids with sensory yeah. issues. Yeah. Instead, yeah. teachers, gym teachers, can turn the lights on and off to get attention. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, Let yeah. kids know if I turn the lights off, it means you're too loud. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Or I've seen teachers. There's one preschool teacher I love so much who holds up a stop sign <laughs> um, and walks around the room silently oh, with her great. stop sign, and kids yeah. know like, uh oh. Um, <laughs> so yeah. that's a good thing. White noise machines can be very helpful for the child who's hypersensitive to sound, sitting in the front row that this kid can hear someone writing in the back row. This sounds mm-hmm. very odd. Um, yeah. White noise machine uh, and white noise CDs, fish tanks, this kind of thing. Oh, um, unfortunately, there's the bell. Speaking of noises, there's the bell that says we got to wrap it up now. We're all run, about okay. to run out of time. Can you really quickly, Lindsay, can you tell us where people can find you on the web? People can find me on my website, which is Sensory Smarts with an S at the end, dot com, S-E-N-S-O-R-Y-S-M-A-R-T-S. You can also find my book in bookstores and online, and you can also find us on Facebook. Wonderful. Okay. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Yes, thank you so much for being our guest today. It's been fun my to pleasure. talk to you in actual person and not just by email. <laughs> um, uh, thank you for being our guest today, and I would like to thank our listeners for tuning into our program this morning. Please join us next week when we will have as a guest Jeanette Bradley, who will be talking about ways to include children with food allergies in school. Uh, be sure to follow the Inclusive Class podcast on Blog Talk Radio so you don't miss out on the show. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter, where Nicole tweets under the name Inclusive underscore Class, and I am at Mamatude, M-A-M-A-T-U-D-E. Lindsay, are you on uh, Twitter? I am on Twitter, but believe What's it or not, handle? I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> search her name Sorry about or that. search Sensory Smarts and you will find her. Uh, exactly. And finally, you can download our past podcasts for free on Stitcher and on iTunes. Goodbye, everyone, and have a great week. Goodbye. Thank you. Thank you.